This is a different generation with different needs. And God is meeting that generation right at the point of, of their need. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, a nationwide call for spiritual awakening. The goal, accelerating the movement of God through sharing revival truth, stories, and reports. Well, welcome to the One Cry Podcast. I'm Kyle Reno, joined with Bill Elif, and we are honored, as always, that you'd give some time to listen. And our hope and heart around this podcast is to really lean in and get God's desire around revival and spiritual awakening right now. And uh, we're focusing these weeks, uh, honestly, on the campus and the lives of college students and how the local church can partner with that. And, and we know, Bill, I mean, listen, with college comes a lot of things. One of those things is style. I mean, like there's style. across every, I mean, across there, there's certain looks, you know, and, and there's some things that, that come back. And there's some that need to stay back, stay back there. And I, I, I got a feeling that you had, man, you, you had a wardrobe back in the day, didn't you? Oh, I, I was the man. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> I, I've often told my kids my favorite outfit, uh, and this was during the Jesus movement, hippies, all that kind of stuff. Right. My favorite outfit was a pair of uh, red, white, and blue striped vertically striped bell bottoms. I'm not talking about like bell bottoms like this. I'm talking about bell bottoms, like mm. just super wide, you know, mm. and a, a blue uh, shirt with puffy sleeves and long collars. Mm. And, uh, and I had on uh, my cross wooden cross on a leather chain that I'd made. <laughs> and, and it kind of looked like it made it. gets better and better. It's and, getting better. Oh yeah. And the, but but the, uh, the 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 icing on the cake, man, was my blue suede half boot that zipped up on the side. Come on, styling. I was just styling and profiling, bro. And can I just say, in a lot of my opening statements, there are some things that need to come back and some that need to stay back. I yeah, think it might something. need to stay back. <laughs> yeah, stay back. If I had that <laughs> that outfit, I could I could sell it for something, but I shouldn't. Yeah, you should, know, please I don't. Shouldn't. Please, yeah. please don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, you some see, I mean, need that, to be that, redeemed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and some things, as you said earlier, need to be burned. <laughs> yeah, that's probably one of them. But I, I do think, I mean, like there's there's some things there's repetitive themes scripturally, and there's things that we learn from that. That's not what God wants to do or desired. That's who God is and desires even now. And I, I know, man, just as somebody that studied revival, that you you see the the ways of God and how he's worked in redemptive history and what he's wanting to do right now. So, man, walk us into some truth to help frame up how we can watch what God's doing in this moment. Well, you know, uh, Kyle, I came out of the Jesus movement and uh, I was a college uh, really i was a high school senior when it began when asbury hit in february of 1970 and then that spread across college campuses high school campuses churches everywhere uh and was this an amazing movement that lasted for about three years the kind of the culmination of that many would say would be when a hundred thousand students gathered in dallas cowboy stadium uh for Expo 72, 
all kinds of music out of that, you know, the Maranatha music, which really started the whole music revolution uh, in our American society and really around the world in Christian music. And so many things were affected by that in dramatic ways. And, and what's interesting to me is that, uh, you know, after, I'm, I'm 72. I've looked at, I've walked and lived in seven decades. And there are two decades that are very similar. One was the 1960s. 60s, we had come out of the 50s, which was, you know, uh, boomers were born. It was a time of, of materialism and coming out of the war and the nation was prospering. Churches were exploding and growing. And uh, there was a rebellion against that in the next generation. And there were riots in the streets, riots, particularly on college campuses. I mean, they tried to burn down universities, Kent mm -hmm. State. They called out the National Guard and, and several students were killed by the National Guard. It was a big, big mess. And then Vietnam happened. And so there was a reaction to Vietnam. And there was a massive sexual revolution, free love. I mean, that was a new, that was a new deal. And I would, I would categorize that whole decade by a spirit of, of rebellion and a spirit of anarchy. The only generation that I have seen that's similar is what we're in right now. And in the last few years, this craziness, this chaos, this confusion uh, that's happening, rioting about all kinds of things, you know, and uh, and it's, it feels very similar, except worse than it was. It's not the same. It's worse. And I'll just give you a little illustration. Uh, we didn't know nobody had ever thought about a term transgender. That, that was not in anybody's thinking. In fact, homosexuality was just coming on the scene, at least at least publicly. In, in the 60s, uh, but we're so confused. We've got a generation that's so confused right now. They don't know if they're a boy or a girl. I mean, it's, it's the basic, it's gone down to the basic foundation core of their life. And there's this, this uh, spirit that says, nobody's going to tell me anything and nobody's going to tell me even if I'm a boy or a girl, God's gonna not God's not gonna decide that for me. I'm gonna decide that for me. And this prevailing thought. So I was so thrilled when God just broke loose at uh, Asbury in the early part of this year that we're taping, February 23. And I went and I was there on two occasions for about half of that the 16 days that uh, God was moving in one continuous worship service. And one of the things I noticed that was just unbelievable, there was this uh, just hours upon hours of the purest worship you've ever seen in your life. The altar was constantly full and you didn't know all that was happening. You knew what was happening in your life, but they would open the microphones periodically and one by one, for two hours, the students and, and adults would would come and just say, here's where the Lord found me, and and God has redeemed me. God has just 
you know, I was raped. I was abused. I, I had left God. I, you know, they're just, uh, the, all the stories, there was a lot of talk about the term mental illness. You know, that's kind of the new term. And, uh, and I was in this and my friend was in, and God has delivered me from that just, and it wasn't like I've decided to go a different direction. Now I'm going to lead, need 30 years of counseling. It was like, I came to God in this moment and he just delivered me. It's gone. The, the, uh, head of the seminary, told me he he kind of was in they had opened up two places for overflow on the seminary campus right across the street at asbury and he said you know bill in in our in our main room over there it was amazing the predominant theme was god delivering from addictions just one after another after another after another these are things you know that you could deal with for years and and the rest of your life god redeemed them god redeemed them and I was one night uh, I was up with the Lord saying, God, what are you doing? Help me understand your ways here. And my, my reading was in Psalm 48. And, and it talks about in Psalm 48, David is it in Jerusalem in the moment when Jerusalem was filled with the presence of God. It was a high point of the Davidic kingdom. And, uh, and Jerusalem was just filled with God. And he says this, Psalm 48, 1, Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised in the city of our God, His holy mountain, beautiful in elevation. It's become the joy of the whole earth. I mean, the whole earth was coming to see what was happening because God's presence was there. And he said, God has made Himself known. Hmm. Now, <laughs> that's revival. That's spiritual awakening. One time I heard Richard Owen Roberts, great authority on revival, say, I can describe revival in one word, God. Just God. God in her rightful, his rightful place. God manifesting himself. It's just God. What you see is, is only one word. It's just God. God has made himself known. And what had happened is those students, a group of 20 students, had tarried one day after chapel just by the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And they kept tarrying, and God began to reveal himself in all of his glory to those students. And when God makes himself known, the next step is repentance. And, and that word is used so often during those 16 days at Asbury. Repentance is a change of mind. It's I was going this way and something profound happened and my mind has been changed so much so that I wouldn't go that way for anything. I'm going to go this way now. I'm going to, I, I want to follow the Lord with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength. So there was incredible repentance. There was incredible restoration but, but here's what I want to focus on. There was incredible redemption of the next generation. Now, follow me on this. As a student of revival, and I have been ever since the 70s, one of the things that you notice in American history is that God has sent 
a great outpouring of spiritual awakening nationwide five times in our nation's history. 1735, First Great Awakening. 1800, the Second Great Awakening. 1857, the Great Prayer Revival uh, in which one million people came to Christ out of 30 million population. 1904 and 5, when the Welsh Revival spilled out around the world and massively touched America. And then, and then uh, 1970, 69 and 70 with the Jesus Movement. Now, if you do the math on that, you discover that those awakenings came every 40 to 55 or so years. I was sitting in Hughes Auditorium at, 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 during the Asbury Revival this, this year, and all of a sudden it hit me, what do we call 40 years? We call it a generation. It's a generation. And I realized that every pastor, missionary, student leader, mom, dad, doctor, lawyer, <laughs> factory worker in our nation are going to come out of the Gen Z generation, the next generation. And everybody would agree, even, even they would agree, is the most dysfunctional generation that we've seen maybe in our nation's history. What can change that? God. God making Himself known. And what, what is happening right now on college campuses in moments of revival is God is mercifully choosing to reach down and change that generation. Now listen, why does He do that? <laughs> well, because He loves us and He cherishes His bride and He wants his bride to be without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But also, he's got a mission. He's got something that needs to be accomplished, and that's taking the gospel to every tribe, tongue, nation, and people uh, to the ends of the earth. And he needs to redeem that generation to get that mission accomplished. But, but also, what I observed is this. This is a different generation with different needs. And God is meeting that generation right at the point of, of their need. One of the, one of the uh, students in the seminary during the Asbury Revival wrote this, and it's profound. Listen carefully. She said, I'm a 25-year-old seminary student at Asbury. I've participated in the meetings during this movement since the beginning. God is moving in a surprising way for Gen Z. I find it interesting that God would mark this particular movement with these things, and she mentions five things. A tangible sense of peace for a generation with unprecedented anxiety. A restorative sense of belonging for a generation amidst an epidemic of loneliness, an authentic hope for a generation that's marked by depression and suicide, a leadership, and she's talking about the leadership during that movement at, at Asbury, which was so gracious and wise and, and loving, a leadership 
emphasizing protective humility in, in relationship with power for a generation deeply hurt by the abuse of religious power and a focus on participatory adoration for an age of digital distraction. I, I'm telling you, that, that's profound. And she went on to write, it feels as if God is personally meeting young adults in ways particularly meaningful to my generation. A, a generation formed differently than previous so that the traits of this outpouring are a bit different than the revivals of old. It's a, marked by a tangible feeling of peace, a restorative sense of belonging, a non-anxious presence through felt safety, repentance driven by experienced kindness, the humble stewardship of power, and holiness through treasuring adoration. <laughs> it's so beautiful. We ought to study those words from this young, young lady who was wisely observing her, her generation and how God was redeeming her generation in very specific ways. And Kyle, as we think about this, the, the reason I wanted us to talk about this on the podcast in the 1970s, when the Jesus movement came and there was the same spirit of rebellion and anarchy and, and drugs and hippies living in communes and on the street, and they start getting saved, just radically saved and coming into the church. The church didn't understand that generation and many churches didn't care to. And because of that, they said, well, you sit over there, you know. We don't bring mm. your guitars in to the mm. church. I know that sounds strange right now, but there weren't guitars in church back then. You, 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 we're going to listen to organ music, and you're going to clean up and sit here, or you're not going to come at all. And it, it, most historians, revival historians would say it quenched the movement of the Holy Spirit because we didn't understand this generation and cooperate with God in welcoming this generation and, and even not just welcoming, giving some leadership to this generation. So uh, as we pray, we need to cry out to God, God, meet that generation right where they are. And of course, God knows what those needs are better than anybody. But also, secondly, help my generation uh, cooperate with that and understand mm. where they are. And then not, if they do something dumb, you know, which everybody does mm. stuff that's dumb, come along beside them mm -hmm. and help them lovingly, graciously. Don't say, well, you know, I heard that in some church over here, they were baptizing in a, in a creek and I don't like that. So the whole movement is wrong. What a, what a, silly, uh, you know, proud uh, right. response. No, no, let's come alongside them and, and help them in every way because I want to tell you something. God is moving in the next generation, redeeming it. And if we don't see that redemption in its fullness, we don't have any leaders in the next, in the next generation. Right. right. Yeah, man, that so resonates um, just the way you articulate it. And then reading that letter that she wrote, 
the things that stuck out to me and that 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 radical humility that was evidenced and that that brought trust that re, you just know the Lord knows how to speak to the next generation in such a way that is redemptive and helps restore right things like a view of authority. Like, I mean, just think in, in an age where which you question everything that God would restore because authorities are trustworthy. You know, that there's a, there's a beautiful humility and then things like hope, just that word has been in my spirit that, that God would restore hope and meet the next generation. Just reminds me that our God loves people and that he loves the next generation and he knows how to get down on a heart level with each one of them to speak into that generation. And for us to be the kind of, go ahead, go ahead. But to be the kind of churches and the kind of pastors and leaders that would be quiet long enough to get to hear God's voice and to let him speak through us to that generation. Well, and that's exactly right. And, and having, having been there many days in that movement, which was a movement of God, there's just no question. Uh, the leaders who oversaw that stood over on the side and that, you know what they did? They prayed, mm-hmm. they prayed. And the spirit who's the best leader would prompt their hearts and say, Hey, let's step up there and open the microphone for testimonies, or let's, let's go to a time of worship, or let's just read the scripture for the next two hours. And it was such a, and there were no names. There were a lot of big dog, uh, Christian personalities that want to, wanted to come in and said, Hey, we'll come and lead worship. But it was just, it was led by students. Mm -hmm. And they, uh, they they kept talking about radical humility. And again, you think in my denomination where I serve right now, it has been marked by one proud leader after another falling. And Mm -hmm. I I had a lot of young guys that say, why, why should I stay here? I can't trust this. Right? Right. And, and so this generation is crying out for leaders this is why it's so important for us to heed this. Leaders who know how to handle the movement of God humbly, <laughs> just humbly and graciously. God help us. Yeah. Well, man, I know this, uh, Bill, the, when we were thinking about this podcast at the beginning, we just didn't want to talk about it. We wanted to pray, pray it in. And so you gave us a lot to stir our spirit and so i would encourage our listeners right now even if you're driving down the road listening you're on a run walk or if you're in a quiet spot why don't we pray these things in and ask the lord to give us ears to hear what he is saying to the church and what's the next right step what's the next step, right step for us so bill i'll start us off and man you can close us in All a right. second father we uh come into your presence through blood that's been spilt by your son and a veil that's been torn into most holy place. And what I ask, Lord, like you spoke to that young lady at Asbury, would you help us to see? Would you help us to watch what you're doing and learn? And then how to cooperate, how to cooperate by the power of your spirit, be the kind of people, the kind of leaders, the kind of churches, Lord, that can help the next generation meet you. Meet you, Lord. I'm with Bill. Lord, I can't imagine the spiritual trajectory of our country as the next generation comes into leadership if we've not ever met with you. 
if we've not ever had a true encounter or watched you not just move in our lives personally, but watched you in our land. So, Lord, I, I pray that you would bring about a sweeping move of God so that the next generation is transformed by it and then would lead from it. And, Father, we're give us a passion for the next generation. I mean, not just a interest or from a distance. Give us a passion, Lord, mm -hmm. to see the next generation come to Christ and redeemed. And, Father, a passion that would lead to constant, unceasing prayer for them and crying out to you to do the kind of redemption that only you can do. And then opening our arms, Lord, just a, an open door. I was reading this morning about, about John going up into heaven and there was an open door into the throne room. And, and Lord, you opened that door. We couldn't come otherwise. And Father, you want that door to be open to everybody from every tongue and tribe and every generation. So Lord, I pray that our lives, our homes, our churches would just be open doors to the next generation. And, uh, and we'd be full of grace as we realize that everybody makes mistakes along the way, but also full of faith that God is big enough to raise up what we need in the next uh, leaders around us. So, Father, move on these college campuses, move among our high schools and in our children's ministries in, in extraordinary ways that, that they would be raised up to far surpass any of us in their walk with you and their experience of you and their ability to, to help us finish the task of reaching the world for Christ. We pray that in your precious name. Amen. Well, as always, thank you for taking the time to be with us today on our One Cry podcast. I encourage you to share it with somebody. Man, if, if something spoke specific to you, let somebody else in on that. Maybe have a conversation with a spiritual leader on your, in your church or your staff. And let's just believe together. And we look forward to meeting again with you next week.